Welcome to this MPS MedicineWise podcast, focusing on the rescheduling of codeine and how it might affect patients and GPs. My name is Jill Thistlethwaite, and I am a GP and medical advisor at MPS MedicineWise. In this podcast, I will be talking to Dr. Malcolm Dobbin, who is a public health physician with an interest in the misuse of medicines, including over-the-counter codeine. So thank you, Malcolm, for agreeing to do this podcast with us. My first question is, after codeine is rescheduled on the 1st of February, some people who've been buying codeine over the counter are likely to seek help from GPs to manage their pain. A number of these patients may have been misusing codeine. So what are the signs and symptoms of codeine misuse that GPs should be alert for when these patients come into the surgery? Well, the important... um thing to think about in this situation is to distinguish whether the patient has a pain problem or whether they have an opioid dependence problem. Uh, because if you're just merely treating pain, you're going to not treat what is actually the underlying cause for their codeine misuse. So I think it's important to start off early and um, you might notice that they'll, they may either request a product by name, by brand name usually, or they unlikely to present with a, a diagnosis or a um, pain problem or seeking help for a pain problem, but they may. Uh, but they may include that in, in their first opening interaction with you. So a, a patient comes in then and begins to talk about their symptoms of pain and the GP is asking questions, taking a history, etc. cetera. Um, what good questions are there to delve a bit deeper into this possibility of misuse? Well, I think you have to prepare the uh, ground for asking some questions. And I think uh, one of the techniques we use is called borrowed protection, where rather than you coming on and looking at the patient and them feeling that you're accusing them of being addicted, uh, it's good to say, look, we've been asked to talk to all our patients about this uh, situation and ask certain questions. But we've, we've got to do this for all patients, not just you. So I'm not questioning you at all. But you, you need to then flesh out the um, situation, which is some people have been using over-the-counter codeine painkillers and they've had problems with overuse and they've experienced serious harm like stomach ulcers that have burst or they've lost a lot of blood or they've got anemia. So I, I need to ask you a few questions just to be sure that I'm going to treat you safely. So I think that's the first um, encounter that you have with the patient. So that's signposting really and making it a more generic consultation rather than specifically targeting the patient in front yes, of you. Yes, that's right. You, you don't want to frighten them or uh, feel that you're accusing them or that they may be sensitive about being feeling like addicts as they would perceive it. Uh, so you've got to make that set it up as a you know a medical consultation, and the other thing to say is look well I need to assess your pain myself. Uh, you know this may be the first time you've had to see a doctor about your pain, but I need to make my own assessment, and we need to agree together on the best way to treat it. You should ask about their use. So how long have you been using whatever the product is? Uh, how often have you been taking them? Do you take them every day? Uh, and what's the most number of tablets you've taken in a day? Uh, have you ever tried to stop? And uh, how do you feel when you try to stop? Have you, do you feel sick? 
And if they say, well, yes, I've had tried to stop, you, you can then say, well, how did you feel? And try to elicit the uh, symptoms of the opioid withdrawal syndrome. And uh, if they say, well, uh, you know, I've uh, I got very restless and shivery and I've had started getting pains, abdominal pains. I started getting uh, pains in my muscles and joints. Uh, my nose was very runny. I was very teary. Uh, I got goosebumps, uh, hot and cold flushes. You know, the tip, you know, if you can see they're describing the typical cold turkey kinds of opioid withdrawal symptoms. So then that actually gives you confidence in thinking, well, maybe they do have an opioid dependence problem. And in that case, then you can take them through the SOWS. Um, it's the subjective opioid withdrawal scale. And uh, if it was me, I would have a copy of this laminated on my desk and say, look, have a look at this and just tick off the um, things that you've experienced, the symptoms you've had. That gives them some independent sort of authoritative source to think, reconsider their circumstances because a lot of them will have trouble accepting that they're dependent. They've got like us, they've internalized the stigma and prejudice about um, opioid dependence or what they call addiction, and uh, they will be reluctant to come to the realization that, in fact, they have a, an opioid dependence problem. So you have to ease towards that generally slowly so that you can draw them into treatment and draw them into the acceptance that you need to treat their opioid dependence. And I think that highlights... One of the things that's important um, in this is that GPs need to be prepared before the per first person comes in with some resources and uh, phone numbers. Um, so then they're not looking around at the time of the consultation for these. They're, they're right at hand yes. on the desk. Yes. Um, so they're not, they can use all the time they have to interact with the patient. Yes. Look, the other thing they should ask about is constipation. Codeine is a very constipating drug. And uh, uh, they, and also in their examination, they might um, palpate their left iliac fossa and find a big fecal mass there. Uh, so that's part of the examination as well. And that's another giveaway. Um, patients are very reluctant. I mean, they often, you know, as part of an opioid use disorder, one of the criteria is they uh, don't, don't accept that they've, they keep using even though they know they're getting into serious harm. But uh, so uh, they're very reluctant to reveal what they're taking and that they're taking 40 to 60 tablets a day or more. And um, that whether it's shame or, you know, ambivalence, well, this, I've used this because it helps me with my stress and I don't want to stop. I still need to keep going. So we need to approach this very carefully and um, try to draw them into tre treatment, try to draw them in, get over that uh, reluctance to reveal their true uh, level of uh, dependence and use. And that's very important then in terms of the GP not being judgmental so that there's a relationship built up between the, the patient and the GP at this point. That's right. And uh, the other thing is not to use the word addiction because it's very uh, stigmatizing and uh, almost a pejorative term that uh, might frighten them and uh, get them to close up and you know, not get into treatment. So I suppose there's always a possibility the patient may mention addiction. It's all, that's right, yes. But, but the point is, I think, not to stigmatize it and to say, well, look, uh, yes, we need to do something about this. I think, you know, that might be the underlying problem. And certainly we don't want to leave you with your pain. We want to deal with your pain. But we want to, uh, you know, this is a much more serious problem and there's a very great risk. And I think that's the point to say, look, you know, if people have 
become dependent on codeine, which is an opiate, um, they can escalate their dose and they get very high doses of the other drugs like the paracetamol or the ibuprofen that's combined with it. And there's a, a fixed dose ratio relationship. So they're getting extremely high doses of drugs that are quite toxic and they can cause you a lot of um, serious problems. You mentioned earlier that patients, some patients get up to 40 to 60 tablets a day. How many tablets is, are, are needed to become dependent, if you like, if I can put it that way? Are, are we talking about if it's within the therapeutic dosage um, of, say, eight tablets a day, is that likely to lead to dependence or are we only seeing that with these larger amounts? Look, that's a hard question to answer, actually. It's, uh, yeah. I think some patients might, um, what, you, what you get is neuroadaptation so that you get central sensitization. If people are taking opioids for prolonged periods, they get central sensitization and you get the spinal um, neurons activated and uh, you know, the, this is the source of hyperalgesia. But uh, yes, it, it's hard to know. But I think some people might feel discomfort if they just stopped suddenly. They've been taking eight tablets a day for um, you know, a week or more, they might feel some discomfort. But I think once taking 20, 30, 40 tablets a day, we'd be getting quite a lot of uh, morphine because codeine is um, demethylated to morphine in the body and that about 5 to 10% of it. Uh, so they would, uh, they might feel uh, opioid withdrawal, discomfort or um, the full syndrome within three, four weeks. And the, those people are escalating into these higher doses because of tolerance in the main or for other reasons? Yes, I think tolerance because they start off for a therapeutic need like a headache or um, you know back pain and uh, they find if they're depending on the, their um, characteristics in terms of whether they've got a mental health dis disorder, previous substance use disorder, they've experienced childhood trauma or they've got current social stressors, uh, they find not only does it, like opioids have two actions, they're analgesics, but they also can be um, stress relieving and uh, also euphorogenic. So some people find, well, if I take these, I actually feel all my, you know, I've got all these worries, uh, I feel better and I relax. And then, or I just feel good so I can chill out. I can take a few to chill out. Then they find that they need more, which is, you know, one of the, one of the characteristics of opioid use disorder. Uh, so they escalate the dose, seven, eight, ten. 20 a day and they find it's not enough. Next thing they're within a few weeks, they're taking 40 to 60 or even more than that, up to 100 or more a day. And during that time, they just rationalize or they're in, you know, the psychological defense of denial because it's quite challenging to think, well, I might be an addict, you know. So people tend to avoid that. So you've just um, highlighted the, the three types of uh, patients that we may see according to an Australian study from 2010. So those patients who are using therapeutic doses but may still have some dependence, the recreational users who are looking for the euphoric effects who may also escalate their use to carry on having those effects but also may just use the codeine occasionally and lastly, that high dose use, um, high dose user group um, who are using the combination medications. Um, it sounds like there's a lot of similarities in how the GPs should approach this in terms of the, the initial consultation uh, questions, etc. 
but are there any specific uh, differences in the way that we can manage those three groups? And, and obviously there will be some overlap between them. Yes, well, there'll be the patients who are using these for just uh, temporary relief of things like migraine pain or whatever, uh, and just using them occasionally. Well, uh, yes. And then there are the patients that uh, who are just everyday people, you know, maybe employed, uh, socially supported, uh, and um, highly functioning, uh, who have just drifted into increasing their dose and you know, there are all those determinants of, um, you know, their vulnerability, but, uh, you know, they're not stereotypical, you know, addicts. I'm just doing an air quote. Um, so uh, they, they're particularly going to have difficulty identifying um, their misuse as a problem. Uh, but I think you, you need to maybe distinguish those people that have got an opioid use disorder. I mean, you know, they're all a criteria including the tolerance, the fact that they've escalated the dose. So that's that's one of the characteristics. If they've tried to withdraw and they've got withdrawal symptoms, that's another um, one of the criteria for opioid use disorder. If they're taking larger amounts or for longer than they intended, that's another criteria. If they've made unsuccessful attempts to cut down, um, if they spend lots of time do, in activities to get the uh, medicines, that's another characteristic. And uh, often they talk about, and patients sometimes come into treatment because of the time they spend what they call chemist shopping. They get sick of chemist shopping, and uh, that's another characteristic. And if they forego other activities and responsibilities, um, you know, they spend an, an unusual amount of time. That's, again, and particularly what we've found too is people get admitted to hospital with, say, a perforated ulcer or renal tubular acidosis, hypokalemia, and uh, they don't reveal that they've got a problem with taking high quantities of these tablets so that there are multiple admissions um, and or it might be days before they actually reveal because they haven't been specifically asked about over-the-counter codeine use. Um, so that's another characteristic that puts them squarely in the category of um, opioid use disorder, which needs to be treated. So that, that uh, group's quite interesting in terms of not revealing that they're using uh, codeine in that way. Uh, and I suppose that also comes back to the uh, doctor, the admitting health professional, asking the right questions yes. in the right way. Yes, I, I think when people take a medication history, they just ask questions like, you know, what drugs are you taking? And if the um, patient perceives that over-the-counter codeine or any over-the-counter medicines are not drugs, which is a common uh, perception, or because they're available over-the-counter, they don't perceive them as significant in that responding to that kind of question, that might just be an incidental, um, not a, um, a deliberate attempt at concealment. But doctors have been asked in a lot of the case studies, uh, people say, you know, be ask specifically about over-the-counter medicines as well um, because they're often neglected. I've certainly learned a lot and I'm sure our, our listeners will, will have learned a lot from, from our conversation um, and I'd really like to thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I've been talking to Dr. Malcolm Dobbin about the rescheduling of codeine and in particular codeine dependency. The views of the host and the guest on this podcast are their own and may not represent MPS Medicine Wise. MPS Medicine Wise is an independent, not-for-profit and evidence-based organisation 
that works to improve the way health technologies, medicines and medical tests are prescribed and used. Visit www.mps.org.au to find out more about codeine and find more reliable information for health professionals and consumers.